Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, providing important treatment options for various types and stages of cancer. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anise Chagpar and Stephen Gore. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about brain metastases and gamma knife with Dr. Veronica Chang. Dr. Chang is professor of neurosurgery, and Dr. Chagpar is professor of surgery at the Yale School of Medicine. So, Veronica, maybe we can start off by talking about what exactly are brain metastases? So brain metastases are uh, cancer in the brain that has spread from someplace else in the body. And so there are lots of different cancer types in the body, um, lung cancers, breast cancers, uh, thyroid cancers, um, GI cancers. Um, and unfortunately, what we've discovered is that the longer that you live, uh, the more likely it is that any of these cancer types can, in fact, uh, spread through the bloodstream and end up lodged in the brain. And in the brain, uh, there's not a lot of escape mechanisms from there. And so because of that, uh, the cells lodge and then sometimes they can grow. And if they start to grow, then uh, they start to cause trouble. And, and, uh, and so these are known as brain metastases. So a lot of people, when we think about metastatic disease or metastases that have spread outside of wherever they started, they went to the brain, the lung, the liver, wherever, um, that that often is not something that we can treat for curative intent. Um, so usually, uh, and not always, but usually, uh, these are things where surgery is really not indicated. So I think that that's uh, true probably for uh, a larger percentage of patients. Um, but I think it depends on how the cancer is spread. So if we take lung cancer, for example, not all lung cancers are the same. So there are some lung cancers that uh, have what we call oligometastatic spread, where there's just one spot in the lung and then perhaps one or two spots in the brain. And if that's the case, then if it hasn't spread anyplace else, then in fact it may be curable. Um, Obviously, uh, the other end of the spectrum is somebody who's got, uh, you know, spread to brain, bone, liver, you know, adrenals, um, and everywhere. And for those patients, uh, I think the ability to cure those people uh, is more dependent on the ability to control the disease throughout the body, and that's usually with medical therapy. Right. And and so so for a particular subset of patients where the disease is really limited uh, to one or two sites, potentially, even if the disease has spread outside of its original organ, um, we can do something about where it has spread to, which is where I guess your whole area in terms of gamma knife and uh, neurosurgery comes in with these brain metastases. So tell us more about who's eligible for that. Hmm. So uh, when I first started uh, in practice about 20 years ago, there were very few patients who were eligible Um I think uh, part of the issue was that by the time uh, patients were found to have these metastases in the brain, um, they had a, a large um, number, usually, of lesions. Um, 
And the only treatment that was available back in that day was uh, was something called whole brain radiation therapy, which is still exists today and is still very good treatment, um, but has some neurocognitive side effects that we like less today. So two things have happened over the years. The first is that gamma knife is not a surgical procedure. It's actually a radiation procedure. So it's a one-day focused radiation uh, treatment. Um, and so radiation, uh, just like whole brain radiation therapy, has been around for a long time. Gamma knife is just it's a, a specific machine that was created to allow us to focus radiation just to the areas of the tumor, trying to spare the uh, radiation to the normal brain cells. And what's been great about this technology, it did start off back in the day where we only treated a few lesions at a time. Um, but there are many centers around the country now that can treat in the order of, you know, 20 or 30 lesions at a sitting. Um, and so it's really just uh, so from a radiation standpoint, it, uh, you know, it's just more appropriate for a larger number of patients because you can treat a larger number of lesions at each sitting. And so, uh, and so, when we think about radiation, you you were saying that gamma knife is just a one day, uh, one day treatment. So it is right. And so the concept behind it is that if we're uh, so with standard radiation, uh, standard radiation was originally prescribed to large fields, um, so large areas of the body. And so the more normal tissue that you radiate, the more toxicity there is. If you can limit the amount of uh, normal tissue that's being radiated and just aim it more at the tumor, um, then there tends to be uh, far less toxicity. And so radiation, uh, the way it works is that the higher the dose of radiation you could administer all at one time, the more effective it is against tumor. Um, obviously, the reason for having it divided into small doses over long periods of time is to protect the normal cells. So with the gamma knife, if you can aim most of the radiation at the tumor, um, then you want to try and give it all at one time. And that's mm -hmm. why it's a one day treatment. Which I think patients must love. Well, patients do love it, except for the bit at the beginning of the day where they have to have a targeting device attached to their head. And that thing is attached by uh, four screws to the bone, oh, which, uh, yeah, <laughs> which, uh, which nobody particularly enjoys. But what it does allow us to do is, uh, is to do the mathematical planning and the physics planning that's required um, to allow that treatment all in that one day. So from an efficiency standpoint, and certainly from a delay in getting to next steps of therapy standpoint, it is a, it's a very popular tool. And so actually, as Gamma Knife was growing um, about a decade ago, I think the real adopters were the medical oncologists because uh, this was a way to get the brain disease treated without any interruption in their chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that they would have really loved it because some chemotherapy doesn't get past this blood-brain barrier uh, and get to the brain. And so being able to focus a ablative therapy at a cancer in the brain without having to worry about the blood-brain barrier must have been very appealing. Yes, yes. Um, I think that's exactly right. Um, so chemotherapy couldn't have been depended upon back in the day to, uh, to cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, and so, yes, treatment of uh, brain metastases was, uh, was kind of one of those things that took priority over everything else. And the other thing that it seems to me is is really nice about this whole gamma knife concept is the fact that 
A, it is not invasive. So it's not like somebody is opening your skull and trying to take out uh, this cancer surgically, um, but rather is doing this through uh, through your 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 brain um, th- with radiation. Um, and the second is that versus surgery, which um, presumably is another way to remove uh, brain metastases, th- this really um, is, is uh, an easier in terms of being tolerable. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> so some of my patients who have uh, um, who have had surgery prefer surgery because they go to sleep for their surgery. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you're right. I think from a recovery standpoint, uh, you know, many of our patients will go back to their normal activity the following day. Um, and so you're right. From the recovery standpoint, this is much more tolerable. So tell me, are, are we using Gamma Knife for curative intent? That is to say, somebody has a brain metastasis. We can see it on a CT scan. It's not particularly bothering them, but it's so limited in terms of its disease that we can eradicate it and make these patients what we call, quote, NED, no evidence of disease. If we can remove the, the lung cancer and get rid of the, the brain metastasis, that's done. So are we using Gamma Knife in that cohort of people or and or are we using it for people who have a brain metastasis? where it's actually impinging upon structures that are causing problems. They're getting a seizure or something that is because this tumor that's growing in their brain is actually pushing on something that is not meant to be pushed on. Um, And we're using gamma knife to ablate it such that they are no longer having those seizures or whatever other issues they might be having. So, uh, So we're using it for both. Um, so I, I think uh, I think the use of gamma knife is divided into probably um, uh, three main cohorts. Uh, so the first one is actually uh, purely prophylactic treatment. So uh, so not necessarily for curative intent, where there is ongoing metastatic disease in the body. Um, staging MRI scans show new spots that are showing up in the brain that are appearing despite whatever medicine you're on for uh, for your cancer. And so we are treating these spots to start, stop them from growing so that they don't cause you trouble in the future. So that's the biggest cohort of patients that we're treating today. The second is uh, the symptomatic one that you mentioned, um, where these uh, spots are growing somewhere and they're causing swelling in the brain. Um, that's uh, causing a neurological deficit or seizures or otherwise. Um, They are a smaller percentage, um, but uh, because we're hoping that people are getting those screening MRIs and they're being found earlier so that we don't get to this point. But certainly uh, there are uh, people early in their diagnosis who might not know that they had cancer or people who actually have been uh, like you said, NED in the body, um, who then pop up a new spot in the brain. Um, and so for those people, uh, gamma knife can be very effective for symptom control. Um, and I think the smallest group is the group that you talked about for curative intent. So we don't necessarily believe, uh, so I think most of us don't don't believe that radiation is necessarily curative. Um, 
So the way radiation works, uh, what I tell my patients is that it breaks the DNA within the cells. If the DNA is broken, the cells can't divide. But it does not guarantee that the cells will die off. And so repair of that DNA can subsequently allow them to regrow. Um, and I think that one of the challenges uh, with uh, gamma knife is that if you live long enough and you are in fact NED in the body, uh, that gamma knife in and of itself may, may not be 100% curative. Um, and so what we, uh, what we do think is that if in fact you want to go for cure, that you might consider surgery as an option to remove the majority of the tumor before giving you consolidated radiation to the area and that gives you a better chance. And so when you say consolidative radiation, are you talking about whole brain radiation? Uh, no. Well, or, so or it can knife. be or gamma knife, right. So depending, um, so depending on the size of the lesion, obviously. Um, so usually with the s smaller lesions, uh, resection and gamma knife. Um, obviously, if it's a large symptomatic lesion, however, but single, um, then uh, control of symptoms and control of disease is still better with surgical resection followed by possibly uh, larger field radiation or whole brain. And so if, if people have gamma knife versus whole brain radiation, what is the difference in terms of, I mean, clearly there's a difference in terms of time course. Um, what is the difference in terms of those neurocognitive deficits that people get? I mean, how does that work? So, uh, so with whole brain radiation therapy, uh, there is a risk for neurocognitive decline. Um, it doesn't happen to everybody. Uh, what's difficult to know is uh, who is going to get it. And what happens is that it's, uh, it starts to occur around a year or so and gets worse the longer that you live. Uh, whereas with gamma knife, obviously, the more focused you can be with radiation, hopefully the less cognitive decline you'll have. Excellent. Well, you know, we want to take a very quick uh, break for a medical minute, but hopefully we'll come back and learn more about brain metastases and gamma knife with my guest, Dr. Veronica Chang. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, a global science-led biopharmaceutical business committed to bringing to market innovative oncology medicines that address unmet needs for people living with cancer. More at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a medical minute about head and neck cancers. Although the percentage of oral and head and neck cancer patients in the United States is only about 5% of all diagnosed cancers, there are challenging side effects associated with these types of cancer and their treatment. Clinical trials are currently underway to test innovative new treatments for head and neck cancers, and in many cases, less radical surgeries are able to preserve nerves, arteries, and muscles in the neck, enabling patients to move, speak, breathe, and eat normally after surgery. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Veronica Chang. We're talking about brain metastases and gamma knife. And as all of you know, and as we talked about before the break, brain metastases are really cancer spots that have broken off from where the cancer started and landed in the brain. And Veronica, you were telling us about gamma knife as kind of a high-intensity, very focused radiation. 
that can sometimes get rid of, albeit maybe not 100 percent, but really uh, reduce um, these brain metastases. And one of the questions I had was, what about people who present with a primary brain cancer, like not spread from somewhere else, but a primary brain cancer? Is gamma knife some a treatment that they also can avail themselves of? So gamma knife for primary brain tumors, uh, so mostly we're talking about high-grade, you know, like glioblastoma. Um, I, I think that uh, that topic is remains somewhat controversial. Um, gamma knife, um, because the dose is delivered all in one day, is limited by its volume mm-hmm. um, that can of radiation, the uh, area of the brain that can be treated. Um, and so we talk about about three centimeters as being the largest diameter that we can safely administer radiation to. The problem with primary brain tumors is that when we look at the scan, uh, where we think the cancer is, is not limited to the area that takes up the dye. So when we do MRIs, we administer something called gadolinium, and then that looks white. Uh, That's the area that looks white on the scan. Um, And so uh, it... in addition to that, when we do the MRIs, we look at abnormal water content within the brain, and there's always an area surrounding the white contrast-enhancing area that uh, that lights up as well. And so to really use the gamma knife to target all of the uh, primary brain tumor, one would have to target the entire area that's uh, got abnormal water, not just the area that lights up with dye. And, uh, and that is very rarely less than three centimeters in diameter. Could you use gamma knife in a primary tumor after surgical resection? Kind of like we were talking about with a brain metastasis where you might take that out and use either gamma knife or whole brain radiation? So typically, the standard of care is uh, is actually to give fractionated. Um, there are very few situations in which uh, a small tumor is identified, uh, resectable, and then uh, you can give gamma knife too. Um, and so, uh, and and so because of that, I think um, you know standard fractionation is uh, is fifty four to sixty gray. Uh, you know, divided into small doses. Um, treating the whole brain? Uh, no, treating the field. Ah. Yes. So treating that whole area that lights up uh, the, the water, abnormal water area. Right, right, right. Yep. But that's still more than one day because yes. you have to divide it into these fractions. That's correct. That's correct. And you have to divide it into these fractions because you're covering a bigger area and because you don't want your the rest of your brain to get toxic right. from having a very high dose all at one time. That's correct. That's right. And so there are uh, there's probably more literature talking about using gamma knife for uh, recurrence of disease. So sometimes when uh, so so now we're watching regularly to see you know uh, if, th- if things are stable, and when disease recurs, it often recurs in a small nodule, and so there's uh, an increasing amount of literature that suggests that perhaps those small nodules might be treatable um, with gamma knife. The problem with uh, those situations, though, is that we often run into toxicity from. Uh, too much radiation mm. in the brain, so something called radiation necrosis, um, and uh, and so these are uh, you know the debate about what the right tool is for for treating recurrences uh, is still ongoing. Well, it sounds like you know that things have really changed over the last. Uh, several decades. Uh, you, you talked about when you started your career 
um, how things were very different. And now with Gamma Knife, at least for brain metastases, uh, we have a new technology that um, can focus radiation in these areas and potentially help either prevent uh, preventing them from causing problems uh, or, or dealing with symptomatic lesions or potentially in a very small number of cases, actually helping people uh, achieve what could potentially be a curative uh, lesion if, if they don't have other disease. Tell us about some of the other advances that have happened in terms of treating brain metastases, or, or are we done? Gamma knife is it. There's no more advancement. So, uh, so I wish Gamma Knife were it, but... <laughs> um, well, it's kind of nice that, that the fields keep moving because I yes. think that once we hit, if we ever get to the point where we say, you know what, this is it, this is the best that we get, it had better be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there have been uh, two major advances in the treatment of brain metastases. So the, the first is, uh, is on the technology side uh, where Gamma Knife is no longer the only radio surgery capable machine uh, that's uh, that's out there. And so there are very many other machines that don't necessarily require a head frame, um, mm. but can be where radio, radio surgery can be administered by a mask. Um, and so this is uh, often easier. Uh, so patients who have like one to five brain metastases can be uh, uh, treated using a mask-based machine. Um, unfortunately, uh, the complexity of the physics planning means that if you've got more than that, you still have to come have that thing screwed on your head. But um, but uh, so that's been a significant advance from a patient comfort standpoint. Um, in addition to that, on the medical oncology side, there's been significant advancement um, in the medicines uh, that are available. And so remember we talked about the fact that chemotherapy didn't cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, but there are new medicines called immunotherapies and targeted therapies that in fact, um, uh, so targeted therapies we think actually cross the blood-brain barrier very well. These are very small uh, weighted molecules um, and it's not completely clear why they're able to cross the blood-brain barrier, but the drug companies have uh, seemed to have found that, uh, that magic uh, component, and uh, and so many of these drugs can uh, can cross quite effectively, um, especially f uh, if the uh, brain metastases are found when they're small. Um, and so this has changed our paradigm about how we think about what might be first line treatment for brain metastases, and sometimes it's drug and not necessarily radiation. And so, so would it ever be drug alone? Uh, or is it always combined with radiation as well? So there's certainly a big push on the patient and medical oncology side for it to be drug alone. Um, there's no randomized study yet uh, looking to see which one is better. Um, there's a lot of retrospective data, however, that suggests that combination is still better for long-term control than drug only, but certainly starting with drug um, and then considering radiation as, uh, as part of the treatment uh, is, um, is, is perfectly reasonable today. And getting back to the, the technology bit, I mean, I think that everyone who was listening must have been shuddering as I was when you talked about having four bolts screwed into your head the morning of gamma knife uh, radiation. Um, is that and that really is just to fixate the head in one position so that the beams of the radiation are where you intended them to be? 
Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, radio surgery treatments, because they're one-day treatments, tend to be long, right? So with whole brain radiation therapy, you come in each day, you have a mask put on, and you stay in that mask for five or ten minutes at most, um, and then you go home and you come back and do the same thing the next day. For us to administer all of that radiation all at one time, however, the treatments are 30, 45, hour and a half, two hours long. And for you to lay perfectly, perfectly still uh, for that amount of time is almost impossible. Um, and so people need to, be, need to be sedated even if they're in their mask um, and they need to be cooperative so that they can actually stay still because there are small degrees of movement that is still possible within the mask. And so with the head frame, uh, you are completely locked in place, and it takes that onus away from the patient, uh, allows them to, uh, to sleep or whatever they, need, uh, they do um, you know, while the treatment's being delivered. But uh, there must be a better way to, do, to make sure your head is staying in a spot, like put um, bolts or walls uh, attached to a bed that your head goes in that it can't jiggle around, but put the bolt in the bed and not in my head. <laughs> the, uh, the the issue is the relationship of your head to the bed. Um, and uh, and so, um, you know, patients will tell you that actually for long, long treatments, it's actually much easier to have the, the screws put in. Um, it, it really allows the it's um, the head frame is open. Um, and once you're immobilized, you don't really uh, notice as much. Um, the the mask, actually, it covers your entire face. And so for patients who are claustrophobic, that can actually be a, a really big problem. And so these bolts are put in while you're awake. Do you use, like, local anesthetic? Do you feel yes. these things? like? Yeah. So the worst part of the day is actually putting in the local anesthetic. It's like getting the Novocaine for the dentist or, you know, getting your local anesthetic before they access your port or whatever. So the medicine, it burns as it goes in, um, and there's four spots on the head. But actually, once it goes numb, then having the screws put in is, uh, is uh, for many patients have described it as somewhat anticlimactic. Okay. I still think that you guys can do better <laughs> on that one. But, um, but tell me about other things. You know, when we think about ablation, and certainly this is something that um, a lot of different cancer types have thought about in terms of either focused radiation or lasers or freezing things or microwaving things. I mean, have we thought about other ways of getting rid of brain metastases um, that may be better or, or different or in some way uh, more uh, reliable than Gamma Knife? Yeah, so I think uh, that technology is coming. Um, so uh, there is a new surgical tool called laser thermocoagulation um, that was actually developed initially um, for uh, 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 deeper targets for things like movement disorders. Um, but the concept is is kind of the same. Uh, you know, you put a laser into the head and then, you know, you burn uh, your target from the inside. The biggest challenge in the brain was knowing uh, how long to burn for. So back in the day, we used to stick the uh, radio frequency uh, um, ablation uh, devices in, and we would turn them on for three minutes at 80 degrees. And what we found when we imaged these patients uh, after surgery was that there was a highly variable size of lesion that was created um, after the surgery. And so what's... Uh, the reason for its resurgence today, though, is um, 
something called MRI thermometry. Uh, and so using the MRI, um, we can look and uh, estimate temperature changes within the brain. And so by taking those images and putting them into a complex uh, uh, computer, you can then start to predict for how long each voxel has been uh, delivered how much heat. And you can then take those two parameters and calculate uh, through something called an Arrhenius equation um, where you might have actually killed off cells. And so, uh, so the uh, software that's available now allows you in a, uh, in a color picture see uh, where you actually think you've heated, um, to what extent, and, you know, does that heat in fact cover the lesion that you think uh, you wanted to heat. So uh, we then took that from, a, from the functional surgeons and uh, started to use it for tumors. Um, and so what's been really nice is, uh, so we haven't really used it yet for people with uh, first-time tumors because obviously Gamma Knife is a very reliable treatment tool right now. But after you've had Gamma Knife one time, if the lesion regrows in the same area, then we're a little bit limited by what uh, options we have available to treat you because a second round of Gamma Knife can cause all kinds of radiation problems. And so we've been able to salvage, uh, um, you know, people uh, with these problems um, by putting the laser into the middle of these tumors and burning them from the inside. And so we, uh, we have, um, uh, we have a, a growing experience with this, um, but it's a very exciting and, and novel tool that's coming up. Dr. Veronica Chang is professor of neurosurgery at the Yale School of Medicine and director of the Gamma Knife Center at Yale Health. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.